at One Day University. We feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I am your host, Erica Hansen. Welcome back, everybody. I hope everybody's week has been fantastic. Um, If you are in Texas and you are suffering through the blizzard that is currently there, please stay safe, stay warm, get to a shelter if you can, stay with family. Um, Anything you can do to stay out of the cold and stay warm. Um, I'm thinking about you guys over in Texas. Um, Today I'm going to be speaking about developmental disabilities. It occurred to me this week that I had talked a little bit about what a developmental disability is and a little bit around the edges of what they entail in other podcasts and other episodes of the show, but I had never really actually explained what they were um, and how they affect, how they affect you as a child and as an adult growing, growing up. Um, So that's today's episode. Today is developmental disabilities. Before we get started, I do want to remind you that this show is on Thursdays, that's today, at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would like to chat with me, we are on Zoom. It is a live show. The number is 1-646-558-8656. That's a U.S. number through New York, so your long-distance charges will apply if you have any. Um, Our meeting ID on Zoom is 465-172-882. So let's get started on our um, topic for today, uh, developmental disabilities. So what is a developmental disability? And that's kind of, I mean... there are categories, let's put it that way. Um, like many disabilities, um, developmental disabilities come in all shapes and sizes. Um, you know, you can be affected cognitively, you can be affected speech-wise, you can be affected um, as far as uh, learning skills and the way you learn things, um, which is also cognitive. Um, it's, it's a really 
wide-ranging subject, and I'm just going to touch on it t today. Um, I will have links in the show notes if you're interested in finding out more information. Uh, but let's dig in. So how do we determine, A, determine somebody has a developmental disability, and B, how do we determine what type of care that person needs? Um, let's start with, so what is a developmental disability? This is according to the CDC. Um, developmental disabilities are, quote, a group of conditions due to an impairment in physical, learning, language, or behavioral areas. These conditions begin during the developmental period, may impact day-to-day -day functioning, and usually last throughout a person's lifetime. So when they talk about, you know, uh, these, these disabilities occur during the developmental stages, um, they're talking about young childhood um, a lot of the time. For example, my CP um, pretty much happened right after I was born um, for various reasons. And yes, CP is a neurological condition. And yes, I do have um, learning disabilities, primarily in math. Um, so, you know, when I say I hate math, I truly do hate math. It's very, very difficult for me, even the simple things, because I have a disability in that area. Um, <clears throat> so the short version is this. Um, it's a developmental disability. It occurs in childhood and affects the ability of the child to learn and grow at a normal and traditional rate for their age. Um, now, it can be argued, you know, what is normal, what is traditional. That, that's not a question I'm going to answer here. Um, it's kind of out, of out of the scope of this podcast. But um, for at this point, we, right now, for this show, we're going at for the um, guidelines set by the CDC and the uh, Pediatrics Association. And that's what's considered, quote, unquote, normal. Um for example, they may learn to crawl, walk, or speak later than other children their age if you have a learning disability. Um, of course, every child is an individual, and thus is, there is some variation in what a child learns and when they learn it. But um, having the quote-unquote skill, learn skill at age 19 months, you know, or six months, it's used as a guideline, as I mentioned. For example, on or around the age of nine months, children typically, this is what they're supposed to have learned or absorbed by age nine months. Children may be afraid of, may be afraid of strangers. They have favorite toys. They may cling to familiar adults. Um, they understand no at this point. They copy the sounds and gestures of others. Uses their fingers to point at things plays peekaboo, puts things in their mouth, can pick up small objects with the thumb and index finger, stands while holding onto something, and can sit up without support, and also they can crawl. That's pretty much what the expected milestones are at age nine months. And with somebody with a dis uh, developmental disability, they will take longer to meet those milestones if they do at all. I'm going to take a quick break so we can hear about NHEG and what they have going on in 2021. 
I'll see you at the other side of the break. Here are your announcements for the month of February 2021. Happy birthday to the following people. Alexander Oliveira, Pamela Clark on February 2nd, Ashley Scott on February 3rd, Brendan Kelly and Dylan Schmur on February 6th, Desiree Clark and Brianna Dencher on February 10th, Krista Cheryl Sundena on February 12th, Charlotte Picardo on February 20th, Mac Clark and Megna Hilliparthy on February 24th, Ryan Wright Arrigan on February 25th, Pranav Giridhar on February 26th, and happy anniversary to Priya Kidharnath on February 27th. There's a lot of exciting things happening here at NHEG, including a new partnership with Chamber Theater Productions. They offer a unique virtual education experience. Right now they're featuring Edgar Allan Poe in the Midnight Collection. You can visit our website and our learning annex at school.newheightseducation.org and click on discounted and free online courses to find the performing arts section for updates on what they're offering. Or you can visit school.chambertheater.com and enter HS5 at checkout for 5% off. We're also offering two new virtual reading programs, one of which includes stories from second and seven. They're hog molly stories, which are read to students by a student athlete and are for second graders to enjoy. You can visit newheightseducation.org, click on programs and the, the reading, the virtual reading program to sign up for this opportunity. This is a free opportunity. We also have another free reading time with Rashawn. Rashawn is a five-year-old that enjoys reading to students and will be reading a new story every Friday at 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. You can visit that same page to sign up for both reading programs. We have a lot of exciting new things coming for the month of February and beyond. So stay tuned, check out our blog and other social media sites to be kept up to date on some exciting new announcements that are coming very soon. Have a great month. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. We are talking about developmental disabilities today. In the first section, I defined what a developmental disability is and some of the things that may occur if a person has a developmental disability, or in this case, a child has a developmental disability. Um, I would check out the first segment of this show if you missed that. Um, I'd also like to mention, of course, if you see that your child seems to be missing a milestone, like crawling, as I mentioned last segment, always talk to your pediatrician and get their assessment um, this is just an overview. Always, always, always check with your doctor if you have concerns about your child or yourself. Um, <clears throat> so 
what happens once a parent brings a problem to their pediatrician's attention, what happens at that point? So developmental monitoring and screening is what happens. That's the next step. So typically children are followed closely by their pediatrician in a series of well-child visits after they are born. Um, usually, and you'll, you'll hear this term if you end up going, you know, into a doctor, doctor's office that treats pediatric you know, pediatrics, you'll hear this term, a, a well-child visit. Um, these visits are used to vaccinate the child and to assess the child's progress, uh, progress ah, I can't speak today, progress through milestones, um, age-related milestones. The doctor will speak to the parent and observe the child themselves in order to get a good idea of where the child is in their development. So just a well child visit is not only for your vaccinations, although that does happen too. Um, the well child visit is, it's really is a physical and assessment to see how the child is going as they progress um, through their childhood. And are they meeting these milestones? Can they speak? Can they speak clearly? Can they, um, you know, do they look at you? Do they, interact with others. All of this the pediatrician is looking at when they're actually examining your child. Um, so if the doctor sees that there is a developmental delay, they will ask for developmental screening. Um, it's basically a checklist or a series of questions focused on how the child moves, speaks, behaves, and their cognition. A pediatrician may ask for one of these at any time, uh, but the but the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that a child be screened at 9 months, 18 months, and 30 months. So again, well, if your physician thinks that your child may have a developmental disability, they can ask for a further in-depth screening like I just um, described. But there are the, um, the points in life where an automatic screen screening occurs. That's just part of the visit. Um, the 9-month, 18-month, and 30-month marks. The AAP also recommends that a child be tested for autism spectrum disorder at 18 months and 24 months of age. So again, um, they test for autism as well and autism spectrum disorders, um, which is a separate test but um, also goes along with the developmental disability um, issues. So what are the risk factors and causes of developmental disabilities? I'm going to take a quick break and we are going to hear a message from our sponsor Silicon Valley High School and I will be right back with risk factors and the causes of developmental disabilities. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School. The world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on education. Once again, I am your host, Erica Hansen. Last segment, we were talking about 
um, the definition of a developmental disability and what is done if your pediatrician thinks that your child may have a developmental disability, what the steps are that are taken to determine that. Um, but what are risk factors and causes of developmental disabilities? Why do these things occur in the first place? Um, these disabilities, they can begin any time during a child's development, including in utero. So, so when you're pregnant, they can occur during that point as well and usually last throughout the person's lifetime. So basically, if you have a developmental disability, there isn't really a recovery per se. Um, you can make things better, but it will last throughout the, the child's lifetime into adulthood. Um, there are many factors which may cause a developmental disability, and here are a few. Um, premature birth, genetics, Habits of the parent, um, smoking, drinking um, during the pregnancy, fetal alcohol syndrome is a well-known syndrome that comes from that. Um, mother's exposure, exposure to toxins in the environment, such as lead, that has happened as well. Illness or injury, either in utero or during the first years of life, so this is the child um, the child is injured while, while mother is pregnant or during the first few years of life. Um, some of the co common causes of developmental disabilities. Now remember, these the first set that I just read to you and spoke about were risks. These are causes of developmental disabilities. Low birth weight, premature birth, and infections during pregnancy fetal alcohol syndrome, like I mentioned before, um, and conditions involving the chromosomes, like Down syndrome. That's actually, um, you know, your chromosome, your chromosomal makeup. That's not really something you can change. Um, these are only a few of the conditions that may cause a developmental disability. So now that we know what a developmental disability is and how it affects a child's ability to learn and to grow um, intellectually, sometimes physically as well. Um, how how does the education system work with children with dis with uh, developmental disabilities? Actually, it, with any child with any disability, actually, but I'm focusing mostly on developmental disability here. Um, the answer is not great. Um, as you may imagine, children with developmental disabilities may encounter various challenges when attending school, just in general. Um, in the United States public school system, for example, there are quote-unquote special education classes in which a developmentally delayed child will be pulled out of the mainstream schooling track and placed into one specifically geared toward children with disabilities. Um, or the disabled child may be taken out of that school entirely and placed in a school which focuses only on disabled children. Um, however, these measures uh, can cause harms and or can cause barriers of their own. Um, I won't go into depth here again, you know, it's a little bit beyond the time of this podcast, unfortunately. Um, but 
and this is a general uh, general overview, but here are a few obstacles that a disabled child may face. I'll go into those right after this break. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store at new-heights-educational-group.myshopify.com. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education and our show on Developmental Disabilities. Last segment, we were talking about some of the conditions and risks uh, that may cause a developmental disability to occur in a child. And now we're going into how a developmental disability affects a person who goes through the United States educational system. Again, I use the United States um, because I'm here and I'm most familiar with it. Um, If anybody wants to chime in with any information about their country, their experiences, by all means, my email is open. It's Erica H, Erica with a K, H, at newheightseducation.org. So what are some of the barriers and difficulties that uh, developmentally delayed children may face in a traditional school setting. Um, The first one is no individual attention. Um, Resource-strapped schools often place disabled students in the same course without taking into account that different disabilities affect learning in different ways. A child with Down syndrome, for example, does not learn in the same way a child with an autism spectrum disorder would, Um, for example. Tagging a child with a label and putting them in a catch-all class is not helpful, as each child needs individualized attention in order to succeed. Now, I understand, you know, that the school system is financially strapped. They're hurting for teachers. Um, There are, you know, they're struggling for resources. Um, There are a lot of things going on in the United States school system that could definitely be improved. And I'm not here to criticize the system or, you know, the teachers within it. Um, I know several teachers and they really do work their butts off for their students. They love their students. Um, So I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that the schools aren't trying their best or they're not, um, you know, the teachers are just throwing up their hands. Um, There may be a teacher or two out there that do, do, you know, do that, especially with a disabled student, but the ones I know really work hard. This isn't a knock against them or... um, the conditions they have to work under. I'm just pointing this out because it is a factor of how 
well disabled, uh, dis disabled students learn. Um, and there are some issues with that environment. Um, and as I said, you know, a person with Down syndrome is not going to learn the same way as somebody with autism. And often, unfortunately, even in the smaller classrooms that they give, you know, a dis that they put a disabled student in, the teacher cannot focus on those particular differences, I guess. Um, isolation and bullying. Conversely, most schools are mainstreaming their students, attempting to keep a disabled child in regular classes as much as possible. When the, while this is laudable, and actually I would, I, in my personal opinion, preferable for, cert, for certain reasons, um, but I'd like to point out a few things. Um, disabled children are often bullied both by their peers and uh, peers and able-bodied children. So again, this, just because a, per, a kid has a disability doesn't make them a nice kid. They can't have their own issues too and bully their fellow disabled students. Able-bodied students can bully a disabled student. It's, it's not one way or the other. While mainstreaming does not guarantee that a disabled child will be bullied, they may be singled out as different and feel awkward because of that. If you're obviously disabled and you're in a class of 30 kids, but you are the only one that looks disabled, um, then yeah, it's going to be awkward. I mean, even if you're not bullied or picked on, um, the kid is going to look at around and not see see only able-bodied individuals. Um, while I think mainstreaming is a good thing overall, in my personal opinion, I think that there are things that need to be worked on um, with regards to that. Um, also, regular education, um, their teachers are ill-equipped to teach developmentally disabled students. Um, the fact is, developmentally disabled do have different learning needs. A teacher may receive little to no guidance on how to teach a child with a developmental disability. Even if the teacher is well-intentioned, a disabled child will often get lost in the shuffle, again, with the 30-student classroom, and they may do poorly because of it, even if the child is capable of learning the subject, in, you know, especially if they were given more time or it was explained a different way, but they still may get lost in the shuffle because teachers only unfortunately have so much time. And if you're over overloading their classes, then, you know, things are bound to slip through the cracks. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, what this all boils down to um, it's a lack of resources and training, as I mentioned at the beginning of this segment, um, in the educational system. And I feel that that's why programs like NHEG are desperately needed, uh, because they fill in the gaps that regular schooling um, often leaves. And also I think that something like NHEG can provide... Um, a sense of accomplishment, especially because if you get into a system that has really good tutoring, um, again, like NHEG, do, NHEG does have, um, 
it can really give the child, you know, a sense of self-worth and accomplishment, and they're not hounded in a regular um, school environment to kind of pick up the pace. Um, <clears throat> and they can um, they can provide the individualized uh, attention and support that children with developmental disabilities need to succeed in general. Um, there are many other challenges that these students face, um, and I may end up doing a part two on this episode, examining some of those. Um, but for now, we'll leave it at this introduction, um, to just the general introduction to the topic. Um, if you would like to hear a part two, if you would like me to go a little bit more in depth in this subject, <clears throat> please let me know. Um, email me, uh, drop me a line. If, if you see I'm in chat during an episode, just drop me a line. I'd be more than welcome to, you know, address any questions you may have in a follow-up episode if you have any. Um, otherwise, I'm going to sign off for today. Um, have a great week. Everybody stay warm, stay safe, and I'll talk to you next week. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Bathfitter.